0: once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Would you like to be happier? You get more happiness by giving it away. For example, by saying thank you to those you encounter throughout your day. One well-placed thank you can impact as many as 250 people. Teaching team member David McNeely brings us this message entitled, Gratitude, which covers Psalm 136 and Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Thank you for joining us today.
1: This morning, I'm going to park on just one simple concept, and it's this one word, gratitude. Gratitude is basically an attitude. Now, it's going to end out of the mouth, but it's actually going to start within the heart. Gratitude basically is thankfulness. It's contentment. Gratitude is when we are at peace with what it is that we have and what we don't have. It's we're at peace with who we are with and who we are not with. Gratitude happens when we do what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, and that's when we learn to be content with what the Lord has brought us. Think of it this way. Contentment and gratitude are like kissing cousins if you're from the South. Those two just go hand in hand. I dare say it's virtually impossible to have one without the other. And if you have one, it's likely that you will have the other. Gratitude is intentionally thanking God and others for all the ways that they have blessed us again it's an attitude but it's not just something that ends right here i think all of us would say what we long to do is to train ourselves and if you have children you certainly want to train your children to have a heart of gratitude there's probably nowhere that i get more frustrated with my children in this particular area it could come Hypothetically speaking, and along the lines of, let's say that they happen to play Xbox or the Wii all day long the day of Thanksgiving while we were in somewhere other place, Uh, you know, it's hypothetical, and then come back and then wonder why it is they can't play all day again the next day. And I think, "Are, are you crazy? Do you realize how much you played yesterday? Yeah, but I want to play today. Got it. How do we teach our kids to be gracious, to be thankful, to be content? How do we teach ourselves to be there? Is it not true that uh, one of the reasons why we are not more content and more gracious and more thankful is because we continue to focus in the wrong direction? We focus internally on what it is that we don't have or who we are not. I think what happens is, is that when I look at a situation, I don't have what it is that I want to have, I then project out and say, the reason I don't have is because you are not. Meaning I don't have contentment because you are not, and you fill in the blank. Or maybe we say, I am not because you don't. We do this with our spouses. I would be far more content if you were just a little more loving. I would be happy if you were more creative. I would have a peace in my heart if you just simply did this or that. We do this all the time with our spouses. We project out on them. We do this with our kids. If you would just obey, then I would. Now, we may not say that because we're far too slick externally, but that is what's going on inside of us, is it not? I tend to project out on others, and because you don't or because you haven't or because you have not, I am not. Here's what the scriptures say. Be content. So if right now you are beginning to wonder, how in the world am I ever going to train myself? to be, If you're wondering, there's just no way. I will never be content, then great news, you're exactly where you need to be. Because today, if you have the heart and attitude that says, I just can't force it, I can't make myself be gracious and thankful, I just look all the time at what I don't have. I look at my checkbook, which doesn't have enough money in it, or I look at this, my friendships, which are too low, or I look at my, whatever it is, we look and we say, I don't have, and if you're in that place where you see it's impossible, then praise God, because there's only one person that can actually change your heart. It's King Jesus. We'll see that at the end, but I want you to see here. Last thing before we dive in. I think what we want to do is learn from how it is that children get trained and learn that this is a process. This is not something that happens overnight, one time. We won't walk out of here after this morning's sermon and everybody say, praise God, I am now grateful. It is a process that happens We learn to be grateful over time. Learn this from our kids. How do we train them? Johnny, say thank you to her. Look her in the eye. Say thank you for what it is that she gave you. We learn that early on. Kids, it's becoming a habit so that it can become a habit. And after a while, over the long haul, the heart changes. And it eventually becomes just simply an attitude. Same is true for us. Let me say it this way. Just start giving thanks. Just start letting thanks exit your mouth, and we're going to pray that God would use that to change actually my heart inside. We'll hear John Piper talk about this at the end. But today, if you have nothing to be thankful for, this sermon is for you because it's for me. As a side note, just to want to give you a quick plug. That's not why I created this sermon this morning, but there's a quick plug and. A couple of weeks in the gym, the young families connect. If you've got children that are in the ages of 12 and under, we're going to be spending our time on how it is that we raise children in an environment where we have so much. How do they value Jesus over valuing all this stuff? In essence, it's going to be how do we train our kids to become content. Please, please come be a part of that as a couple in our church who has uh, a proven track record in doing this. They're going to share with us on that. You have your Bibles open with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul is going to give us some instructions here. It's very quick. He gets towards the end of this letter, and there's just very quick statements that he'll give. Look at verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We search often to find out what it is that God's will is for us. What college do I go to? What person do I marry? What job do I take? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. We search long and hard. I am telling you right now, with boldness and confidence, I know the will of God for you today is to give thanks in all circumstances, because the Scriptures tell me it is the will of God. I don't have to pray about that one. I don't have to labor. Lord, do you want me to give thanks? Do you not give thanks? In all circumstances. But notice the one word there, okay? It's important you see this. Give thanks in all circumstances. It does not say give thanks for all circumstances. Especially when tragedy and sin happens. We don't give thanks for sin. Follow the example of Jesus. Get angry with sin. But in your anger, do not sin. Jesus stood before a grave and, and he cried out to a person to be raised that dead. he was angry with death because death is the result of a sin we should not be thankful when when people are violated when people are harmed we should not be thankful for that what the scripture says is this be thankful in those circumstances thankful for what How in the world do I give thanks when life is falling apart? Psalm 111, chapter 111, is going to press us in even further. If it sounds like it's difficult enough that we should give thanks, meaning that the thanks should exit our mouths in all circumstances, listen to what the psalmist says has to say which i'm certain paul had in mind when he was writing that earlier on psalm 111 verse 1 praise the lord i will give thanks to the lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation i will give thanks with my whole heart Meaning it's not just words that are coming out of my mouth. The words are important. Gratitude is an attitude. It ends by coming out of the mouth, but it actually starts in the heart. I will give thanks internally, and it will not be able to be stopped as it expresses itself out in the company of this congregation right here. On Sunday mornings, as we gather, we want to publicly sing. We want to declare the truths of the songs that were up on the screens. And we're saying, God, may it be true actually of the depths of my soul. And so today, if you don't have a whole lot to be thankful for, how do you obey Scripture? I want to remind you, you don't muster up to strength. I don't have a formula for you this morning that's going to say, here is how you change your heart. That, that's not what's going to happen. What I'm going to show you is I'm going to point you to the one who actually does the changing. So in some ways, let me start backwards. And, and let's look and see what the scriptures have to say uh, about it. Before we get to the why in the world uh, would we do this? There's just a couple of practical things. Harry Ironside said this. We would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction in other words if we find ourselves in a rut over and over again dwelling upon what it is that we don't have who it is that we are not with harry ironside gives us great counsel and that is start thanking because thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction john milton said this gratitude bestows reverence changing forever how we experience life and the world Love that gratitude bestows reverence. Gratitude before God brings me to the place where I can stop, I can listen, and I can look in the proper direction. Instead of just looking outward, instead of just looking inward, I can look up and say, oh God, thanks. Bestows reverence. Turn with me to Psalm 136. Now, I'm not a huge fan of songs that have a line that repeats over and over and over again. It was several years ago, I was in a church and happened to be preached on that particular Sunday and, and they had this one song and I wish I was exaggerating this to you, but I'm not. I got so irritated that I actually broke out my watch and timed it. So I figured that we had been singing for approximately four minutes until that point. And so then for the next 17 minutes, we sang this song and we sang this one particular line over and over and over And over again and I thought I'm I would leave except for the fact that I have to preach (laughs) okay I'm not taking a shot at at someone who does that I'm just that maybe that's a confession of my own inadequacy of my own inability to adapt and adjust and in places because God was praised he was honored I'm sure he delighted in it (laughs) I just didn't at that point (laughs) if you are like me and you don't like one line sung over and over and over again then tough because psalm 136 does exactly that over and over and over again it's going to give one particular line i'll save that for the end but what is it that we should be thankful for in this psalm i I see two things that we need to be thankful for the first one is be thankful for who god is his character his worth uh, who he is internally that which is true about him but we should also be thankful for what god does and he does because of who he is and we'll see that so the first three verses of this uh, psalm as well as the last verse tell us a little bit about who god is i'll just read that give thanks to the lord for he is good give thanks to the god of gods give thanks to the lord of lords and then verse 26 give thanks To the God of heaven. Give thanks to the Lord. This is his personal name, Yahweh. If for nothing else, my friend, we can thank God for the fact that he is. The very fact that he is in existence lets me know that there is a reason and a purpose for everything that is. For those who do not hold this same world and life view, I do not say this condescendingly. I say it with all sincerity. I do not know how it is that you get through a day. When life becomes extraordinarily difficult, when life is easy, I understand because I do the same. I I get into a habit of walking through life when it's easy and, uh, and, and I just don't think a whole lot about what really matters. But when life is difficult, For me, I just thank God for who he is. The fact that he is. Thank him that he's also a personal God. It's the personal name that he gave himself. I am. It's the name that lets us know that he is the one who draws up right beside us. And he takes up residence with us. And there is coming a day. When he will return, the scriptures tell us that he will reside with us in a manner in which we will never again not see him. He is a personal God. He does not stand back aloof. Thank him for that. It says, thanks be to the God of gods. This is the term Elohim. It is the God with authority he is the god over all gods now we rarely will find in our culture someone who will bow down towards an idol a statue so to speak that will happen but not typically in the culture that we live in and but what we do is we bow down towards other lesser gods gods that we believe will provide for us security and comfort and peace that may be money that may be acceptance it may be popularity It may be academics. It may be whatever where we tend to say, if I will get into the presence of this, if I will obtain this, if I will have this, then it will provide for me all that I long for. And what he says here is there's no other God that will do that. So just give thanks to God for the fact that he is over and against all of those. Thanks be to the Lord of Lords in verse 3, Adonai. Meaning he is the master over all gods. Verse 26 says, thanks to the God of heaven. This is just a term L that means that he is the God over the universe. He is the one who creates it. He's the one who sustains it. He is the one who is in charge. Thank God for who he is. These are not the only descriptions that we could give in the scriptures. But these are good ones that come from Psalm 136. It just reminds us, take a portion of every day. I would challenge you with this because I think this is what the scriptures are teaching. Take a portion of every day just to thank God for who he is. Pause. Sit. Dwell. Stop. Consider. Be still and know. Thank Him for who He is. This psalm also tells us to thank Him for what it is that He does. Look at verses 4 through 9. To Him who alone does great wonders, to Him who by understanding made the heavens, to Him who spread out the earth, and it goes on and on. Thank him for the fact that he creates. This is what he does. He creates. He created a whole universe. He continues to create. Every day, there's a new life that is created in this world. Some of those lives will acknowledge his greatness and goodness. Some of them won't, but he is the creator nonetheless. Thank him that he creates. Thank him that you live in such a creative world. Think about it. He actually passed some of those characteristics down to others so they would possess some of his creativity. God creates, look at verses 10 through 16, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm to him who divided the Red Sea in two. And he talks about Israel passing through. He's going back to the Exodus story where the people were in slavery and he brings them out. So what is he saying here? He's saying that this is a God who rescues. He rescued people from peril, from danger, and he continues to rescue to this day. What has he rescued you from? What do you need rescuing from right now? Do you need rescue from uh, financial peril? Do you need rescue from... Your own thoughts? What is it that you may need rescue? Or what is it that He has already rescued you from? At the very least, we can thank God that He has rescued us from sin. He has rescued us from ourselves. And for all of eternity, we would be experiencing His goodness because He's a personal God who came to rescue Verses 17 on to him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings and he lists the name of those kings and here it tells us that he defeats enemies. He defeats enemies because he is a victorious king. He rescues because he is a rescuer. He creates because he is a creator. He does because of who he is. And he defeats enemies before us. If for nothing else, we can, t- can say thank you to God because he defeated death, he overcame it, he defeated sin, he rescued us from the grip of, and the power and the penalty of sin. He has defeated it. Nobody else could defeat it. Everyone else tried. Everyone else failed, but he defeated it. So if today you have nothing else to thank God for, thank him for defeating the ultimate enemy. The devil himself, the work that he accomplished, the the cross, stuck it in the ground, God said, there it is, victory. Lastly, look at verses 23 and 25, 23 to 25. It is He who remembered us in our lowest state and rescued us from our foes, He who gives food to all flesh. And here, I think He just, Scripture's telling us that He just simply meets needs. And He meets needs because He is a friend. He is the Lord of all. He stands in the solitude of Himself and at the same time He is a friend friend that draws near when you need him. He provides food for all. He he just draws near. What do you need him to be a friend for? Have there been moments in your life in which you have had no one else to turn to? No one else to talk to? Not one other soul who understands exactly what it is that you're experiencing. This tells us He draws near to you right then, and He meets your needs. So thank Him for that. The one line repeated over and over and over and over again, in fact, it's repeated 26 times in this psalm, is, for His steadfast love endures forever. It's a word I've talked about on plenty of other occasions, but that word steadfast love is chesed in the Hebrew language, it is a beautiful, rich, amazing word. It talks about the covenant faithfulness of God. When it says that his steadfast love endures forever, in essence, what it means is this, that his covenant faithfulness never, ever, 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 ever ends. So today, regardless of how badly you have sinned, if you are a follower of Jesus, meaning your only hope to be made right with God is by surrendering the controls of your life over to God and the work of Jesus is now applied to you as if you did it. Regard, if that's true, if you believe that, then regardless of how badly you have sinned, how far you have strayed, his love will never end. It will always come after you. It will never stop. It is unceasing. And for that, my friends, the psalmist says, oh, I can give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to God for who he is and for what he does because his love never ends. I want to apply this same thing because Gratitude is intentionally thanking God, but it's also thanking others for all the ways that they have blessed us. So I just want to apply the same principle to others. Thank others for who they are and thank others for what they do. Today, if you are married, can I beg you to do this? Would you please thank your spouse for who they are? The easiest thing, just as it's true with our children, you can apply the same principle to our kids, the easiest thing is for us to look at our spouse and to see who our spouse is not because we are so close and so intimate with them. We see them on a regular basis. We know that our spouse is not even the person that he or she wants to be. And the easiest thing is to focus in on who they are not, and when I do that, I become so inward, and I see what it is that I'm missing out on, and I miss all of the beauty of who they are, and my heart gets crud, and my mouth gets silenced. So thank your spouse for who they are. I I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my wife would love it if she married a more creative person. She is extraordinarily creative, right? She's an artist, um, at heart, and so I know that that she married me with the hopes that I would create these incredible dates and just celebrate her, and because that's way, the way she thinks. I mean, she can already picture what this stuff would look like in her mind, and the way that she even the first party that birthday party that she planned for me was anyway, it was so off the charts, and I went, "Oh, I don't know." She married a dumb jock. All right. So our dates look like this, honey, you want you to go to Walmart? We could go shopping. One Christmas, I thought I would be really creative and give her a gift that would be useful, one that she would really love. Give her a case of water. Every woman right then just went, oh dear Lord. And every man went, What? practical. <laughs> she would love it if I were more creative, but you know what? I, I, cannot, I can't even recall. I can't even recall the last time that she said anything about it. Because somewhere along the way, she made a choice and a decision where she said, he is who he is. And so I will choose to focus on the good things that he does. So regularly, do you know what I hear from my wife? Hey, thank you for Thank others for who they are. Would you just get into a habit periodically? Just tell someone, if you just made this statement, I appreciate you, and just leave it at that. Why do you appreciate me? Just because you are. Thank God for who others are, but also thank them, rather. Thank others for what it is that they do. I am so thankful to be a part of this particular congregation. I am so thankful for the ways that you have loved this little McNeely clan. Some of you have watched our children from the days that they were earliest in the nursery and they couldn't do anything but just lie there and poop. (laughs) And you changed them and you loved them and all the way through, and they're now in kids' quest, and some of you make an investment over there into my children. I just want to say thank you for what you do. Some of you are associated with the school. My kids are part of the school that associated with the church here, and and the teachers that make the investment over and over and over again, not just to help them understand that two plus two is four, but that two plus two is four because that's the way God created it, and so we want to have an attitude of respect, and thankfulness to God and they work on the character of my kids and I am so so grateful for what you do thank you for putting up with me thank you for listening to me thank you for believing that God could actually say something through someone who for many of you I'm younger than and far less mature and yet you continue to say I think God can actually use him so thanks for listening Thanks for your letters of encouragement. Thanks for all the ways that you have blessed this little McNeil clan. I want you to know that there is no way that I will ever be able to repay you. So the thing I know to do is to say thanks. There's another man who understood that there was not a whole lot he could do. This is where we'll close our time. Luke chapter 17. It's a man who understood that there was not anything he could do in return. And so, watch what he does with Jesus. Luke chapter 17, begin reading with me in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, this is Jesus that's passing along. And I may be wrong in this, but I don't think that Luke has primarily in mind geography here. I think that he's saying that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, meaning he's getting closer and closer and closer to the cross. And during that time, he's ministering to people. And some of them are here and some of them are here. And so it's not necessarily saying that this was exactly when he's heading. I think he's giving us a story of what took place while Jesus is ministering of some on this side of the fence and some on this side of the fence. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices. The bad part about being a leper was that you had this disease that if you touched anyone else, they would get it, but you were declared as unclean, therefore you could not have any contact with anyone, and you had to stay a certain distance away, and so when they knew that Jesus was coming in, they kept their distance in order to be right, but it says that they lifted up their voices. It's the right word that's translated here in the ESV. I don't know what the other ones say, but they are taking their voices, lifting them. So the volume is getting louder. And what do they say? Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go. And show yourselves to the priests. They raise their voices up so that they can catch the attention of Jesus who is unlike any other leader who had ever existed at that point. They don't know that he is God. They don't have that understanding yet. But they do know he is unlike anyone else. And so they're crying out, please help us. And then he says this, go. He doesn't heal them before he sends them. He says, go. So they go. And as they went, they were cleansed, meaning their bodies no longer had leprosy. No pills, no doctor's visit, nothing wrong with that. In this particular occasion, though, they went and they were healed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his feet, I mean, on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now I didn't know this until recently. Craig Blomberg has written a book on the Gospels, and I was reading through this in preparation for this, and I didn't understand this about the culture, but oftentimes in this culture, someone would not give thanks to another person, because if you were to give thanks, it would be implying that you had no intention of repaying it back. So the norm was if somebody were to give to you $10, not a loan, meaning they were to give to you with no expectation of having it returned, it was the expectation of the culture that you would return that $10. In fact, if you were to come back and to give thanks, it was a great indication that you knew there was nothing you could do. And so nine go off. Now, maybe the nine were planning on how it is that they could return this favor to Jesus, or maybe they just went away without giving thanks and had gratitude. I don't know. The scriptures don't fill it in, but what we do know is this. There was one who, when he was walking, knew that he was cleansed, and he knew he was cleansed not by the clean air. He knew he was cleansed by the Man named Jesus, and so he's compelled to turn around and to come back. And the word that it uses here for when it says that he says this, it's a word that intensifies the lifting. So it's a mega lift. They lifted their voices to cry out help. He shouts on top of that raising to declare the praise of God. It says that he falls down on his face with his his face right in the feet of Jesus. And he says, thanks. Is this not a picture of us? My friend, today, how are you going to repay God for rescuing you? How are you going to repay him for cleansing you? How are you going to repay him for creating you? How are you going to repay him for what it is that he does when he meets needs, the enemies that he has defeated? How in the world are you going to pay Jesus back for that? You can't. But what you can do is let the gratitude leave your mouth. Say thanks. He was a Samaritan, which means he just didn't understand. (laughs) He shouldn't have understood, but he did. Then Jesus answered, Were the ten not cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And I notice Jesus is saying that their thanks should be given to God. Putting himself on par with that, this man was coming to give thanks to a person, but in essence what he was doing, he was giving thanks to God. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The main thing we get from that story is that, folks, it is Jesus who heals you. It is Jesus who cleanses you. It is Jesus who changes your heart to where you are compelled to turn in process, come back to the Father, place your face before His feet, and just say, Oh, God, thanks. It's Jesus who changes the heart, who gives you the ability to look up rather than just out and in. So look to Jesus this morning. He will give you the ability to give thanks. I want to close with this, though. I know that there are some of you here who have significantly difficult circumstances in life. And I do not wish to make light of that. I do not wish to say that everyone in this room will have, um, that that it will be equally as easy to give thanks. For some, it will be exponentially more difficult. I want you to know that. I, I know that. John Piper wrote a book, and in that particular book, there was a chapter that he took out of that and turned it into a a little publication. And in there, um, you can actually get this online for free now. It's a PDF. I highly recommend it. Uh, It's called When the Darkness Will Not Lift, Doing What We Can While We Wait for God. And it's specifically focusing in on depression. So maybe you are clinically depressed. Maybe you're not. Maybe you just have circumstances right now that are making it so difficult to thank God What is it that you do? You look to Jesus, and by faith, you take a step out and you begin thanking him. Listen to John Piper. Here's what he says. Do not say, but it is hypocritical to thank God with my tongue when I don't feel thankful in my heart. There is such a thing as hypocritical thanksgiving. Its aim is to conceal ingratitude and get the praise of men. That is not your aim. Your aim is in losing your tongue with words of gratitude is that God would be merciful and fill your words with emotion of true gratitude. You are not seeking the praise of men. You are seeing the mercy of God. You are not hiding the hardness of ingratitude, but hoping for the inbreaking of the Spirit. Thanksgiving with the mouth stirs up thankfulness in the heart. If for nothing else, this morning, would you give thanks to an imperfect church who has pointed you to Jesus? He's the healer. He's the sustainer. He's the lover of your soul. Ultimately, there's not a whole lot I can do for you, but I can point you to Jesus. Every adopted child will go through a difficulty in life where they will wonder why it is that their parents placed them into a particular home and why they did not do the parenting on their own. And in every adoption story, there are good and valid reasons why a child is lovingly placed into the home of another. I have six children, all of whom have been placed sovereignly into our home by the decisions of other mothers. So all of my children will experience this at some level. And I have one particular child a couple years ago that was experiencing this to a greater degree than any of the others, and just wondering the confusion. What does it say about him and his insecurity? And and he began to, um, in some ways, take it out on us. And he wanted to know why it is that he was not with his real mom. And I understand it's his immaturity that was saying some things, and he just doesn't understand yet. And and. My wife is his real mom, not a birth mom, but a real mom. And the harder that he attacked, the more difficult it became. And day after day after day, and we're trying to be patient with this child. He has some brain issues in which everything doesn't function as it's intended to function. And so it's extraordinarily difficult for him to articulate his feelings and his emotions. And so we're trying to help him work through this. And so it's a son, well, what's going on? And after one day of particularly lashing out and saying, I want to be with my birth mom. And I said, son, why? He said, because I want to talk to her. And so he and I are alone. And I said, son, that's great. I want you to talk to her one day, but why is it so important right now? And he looked up at me and he said, because I want to tell her thanks. Because she gave me to you. I am thankful for you. You have pointed me to him. Heavenly Father, thank you for who it is that you are and what it is that you do. And so Lord, I pray that you would help each of us, every single one of us, and help Help us to repent of our ingratitude to you and to turn to you in faith and believe that you will change our hearts, that you will enable us from the depths of our souls to tell you thanks. You are good, you are gracious, you are merciful, you are kind. And thank you that your love knows no end. To you goes all the glory and the power and the honor. Pray
0: this in Jesus' name, amen.